And best of all, Jesus is alive. And he is with us. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Before I dive too deeply into the message, I want to invite you to take the card that Pastor Shane told you to set aside. And that's your welcome card today. It says, we're glad you're here. Inside, there's a place for your information just to let us know you were here. Um, we won't bug you. We won't put you on an email list you don't want. Um, we're just glad you came and we want to respond to any concerns or needs or prayer requests you might have. So take a minute and do that. On the back of this, this is very important. Once a year we do a, a survey asking for message topics that you would like us to speak on in the coming months. Um, you know why we do it today? Because you all showed up. You know what I'm saying? We have more people than any other Sunday, so what a great day to do this. So on the back, there's a list of issues and topics, as well as a blank space at the bottom. And if there's been something you'd like us to address as a church family, would you check one of those off, or maybe two or three, or write something of your own on the bottom? Inside, there's a spiritual survey that we'll use at the end of the message. So I hope everybody has one of these, because it's very important to what we're going to do here today. You know, I love music. I love Easter music. I was so excited as I heard the worship team practicing and got to experience these songs for the last few days. And that last song, The Resurrected King, is resurrecting me. I just love it. And it's been powerful in my spirit for the last few days. And I just wanted you to know that I know a little bit about music. I have some music cred. I have some music history. And I bought a picture to show it. This is 1970, I don't know what. Can you pick us out? My wife and I are both in there. <clears throat> you can't buy a <laughs> you can't buy a suit like that anymore, I'm just saying. And you can't get a collar any wider than that either. Uh, this was a group called Free Spirit, a ministry team. We traveled all around the United States and overseas, had some incredible experiences. Uh, I'll never forget singing at one of the first uh, concerts in the new stadium in um, Santa Domingo, the Dominican Republic. And one of our really awesome experiences was in Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas, where they would bring in a chapel full of uh, military personnel, packed it to the walls. We would sing a, about a 45-minute concert. They would all leave, and as only the military can do, they would march in another group, put them in place, and we'd sing it all again, and then another, and we sang it all again four times over. We were about dead <laughs> by the time it was done, but what an incredible privilege to uh, share the good news of Jesus in music. Uh, we sang in chapel in the White House. Uh, you know, people say, oh, they're having a Bible study in the White House. That's amazing. Well, they've been doing that for a very long time. Uh, Christians who work there have organized a Bible study. They meet every week, and uh, they bring in Christian ministries to share, and we were blessed to be able to do that. The president didn't show up that day, but everybody else did, and he sent us a nice letter afterward that we have, and it was a very special thing. Perhaps the best uh, ministry experience I had as part of this team was in Israel. We sang in a kibbutz near the Sea of Galilee, and we sang Christian music to a Jewish audience. And there was one song in particular that seemed to really connect, and the crowd stood, gave us a standing ovation when the song was over. Guess what song it was? Easter song. Hear the bells ringing, they're singing that we can be born again. You know that song? 
second chapter of Acts. Now that's, <laughs> that's the way back machine right there, friends. Uh, but what an incredible experience. You know, Jesus Christ is risen. There is no one like Jesus. He is the resurrected king. And I was just thinking about the song we sang, the lyrics that we sang. They went by pretty quickly. It says, the one who wore our sin and shame is now robed in majesty. The radiance of perfect love now shines for all to see. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. The fear that held us now gives way to him who is our peace. His final breath upon the cross is now alive in me. That's my prayer today, that as the Spirit of God uses every part of this service and the, the Word of God that we're about to share, He will come alive again in us. One of my favorite parts of the New Testament is the fourth story of the life of Jesus. The New Testament begins with four parallel stories recounting who Jesus was and is what he said and what he did. And history tells us that the first three books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, were written first. And they took great pains to make sure they got it right. They quoted Jesus accurately. They got the story um, correct. They got the timeline right. In fact, Luke says that he's writing to prove the historical truth of the life of Jesus. Anybody who says you know, Jesus was a myth. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't understand the accuracy of those three New Testament letters. But John, John writes the fourth letter after all the others because, well, we know from, from Scripture that John had a special relationship with Jesus. And he wanted to kind of reveal a, a side of Jesus Christ that the first three hadn't. Five times in his letter, John refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. How cool is that, right? The disciple Jesus loved. They were especially close. Remember when Jesus was dying on the cross and he spoke to his mother and he said, woman, behold your son. And he was talking about John. And son, behold your mother. And then it says from that hour, John took Mary home. You know, they were like family, right? They were super close. Some of you know I love the Celtic tradition. The Christians of the 7 and 800 AD period who came to, to learn about the gospel. They, they had not heard anything about Jesus before. And they read the New Testament and they said, wow, think about what John got to do. At the Last Supper, the Bible says that John leaned over on Jesus. He must have heard his heartbeat. He must have heard his heartbeat. John was the, the disciple Jesus loved who had actually heard the heartbeat of Jesus. And he tells us from his personal perspective a special insight into who Jesus was and is. John chapter 10, uh, he tells us one of the seven statements Jesus made that begin with the two-word phrase, I am. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Uh, most of us know, you know, I am the good shepherd, right? Well, among the many things he said, he said, I am the gate or the door or the sheep. Let's look at that scripture. Um, 
I'll be explicit then. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep stealers. Every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. Keep going. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for and will freely go in and out and find pasture. You know, Jesus is describing this ancient Middle Eastern um, culture where there were shepherds and lots of sheep, and there still are in the Middle East to this day. And when they were close to home, they would have like a sheep pen with a gate that would open and close. But when they were out in the hillsides, and Nancy and I have been there, I still remember it, there were these stone walls that sort of formed an enclosure, and they didn't have any gate or closure to them. They came close together, but there was an opening. And when the sheep were all put in there for the night, guess what? The shepherd laid across the opening, and he became the gate. Nothing bad could happen to the sheep because they'd have to go through him, right? That's what Jesus says he does. He loves us so much that he is the gate. He protects us, and we can go in and out through him and find pasture, have a, a meaningful, valuable life because he guards our lives. He is the gate. But then he goes on to say, in the very next verse, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life. Well, would you read that last phrase out? Let's start back with, out loud. Let's start with more. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. More and better life. So here's what I know. The resurrected King Jesus is resurrecting me. He's resurrecting me from the, from the consequences, from the destructive power of sin in my life. Now, I, someone told me a very long time ago as a young man that, uh, <laughs> a very, very long time ago, <laughs> he said, the, the Christian life is the life of least regrets. And not no regrets. And we've all sinned. We've all done things we know we shouldn't. But it's a life of least regrets. If you can be forgiven and you can be made new, and especially if you're young here today, hey, you can be spared from a whole bunch of pain and guilt and shame. The evil one comes. Let's go back to that 1010 verse. What does he come to do? To steal and kill and destroy. That's the evil one's agenda. What does he steal? He steals your joy. He can steal your sleep. He can steal your appetite, right? I mean, when you've done things you know to be wrong and they come back to haunt you and begin to eat you alive, that verse is true. Steal and kill, what does he kill? He kills your connection to other people. He kills your reputation and destroy. I mean, that sums it all up. Uh, sin, you know, God's not trying to keep us from having fun. He's trying to keep us from ruining our lives. People say you break the Ten Commandments. No, when you break them, you get broken. And if you wonder about that, just watch the headlines for the next few days. It's all over the place. You know, famous people, the rich and famous who've got it all, right? They've, they've got money, they've got fame, they've got influence, but they morally crash and burn. And it destroys them, destroys their marriage, their family, their reputation, their career. 
God doesn't want that for you. And if that's happened to you, he wants to resurrect you. He wants to forgive you and make you new. This week I came across one of those uh, I Am Second video clips. There's a lot of them on YouTube, and you might want to check some of them out. I Am Second. They're the stories of well-known people who have had a personal encounter with the resurrected king. And the one I want you to see is from Mike Fisher. Mike was the, is an NHL player. For those of you who aren't Canadian, that means National Hockey League, right? Uh, he is, was the captain of the Nashville Predators. He got injured, then he retired. He actually came back this year. And some of you also probably know who his wife is. Carrie Underwood. And uh, so here's Mike's story. Let's watch together. Just kind of a little bit unbelievable. You know, that should have been, that's every kid's dream is to sign a contract. And I remember going out that night to a bar, getting drunk, making bad decision, and waking up the next morning feeling like the worst piece of crap that I, I could ever you know, feel like. There's a lot of inside feelings of a lot of different things. I was letting people down. I was letting God down, trying to hide, trying to pretend like everything was great. Still go to church, but maybe be hungover, not really into it, but just putting up a kind of a facade. When I did a Bible study with my cousin, who I was living with at the time at the age of about 22, I get to a scripture. And it's Luke 9, 23 to 25. And it says, if you want to be a follower of me, you have to put aside your own selfish desires, shoulder your cross daily and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? I remember that scripture just kind of hitting me, and that was for me. Because I'd reached my dreams. I had money and everything you thought was cool and just wasn't working and I knew the answer but I hadn't been looking for it in the right places and through a process of just praying and getting in the word with my cousin uh, my life was changed and for the first time I remember thinking man this is this is really real. Wow. I, I wish we had time for the whole clip. You could check it out when you get home, but uh, he goes on to describe the positive changes that have increasingly come into his life as he's followed Jesus Christ. Here's what I know. You can experience a life that steals and kills and destroys, or you can experience life and have it to the full. And the, the full life, the real life, the more and better life is found in Jesus Christ. Uh, you don't have to get high to have a good time. You don't have to sleep around to be loved. 
You know, Jesus is not trying to spoil your fun. He is trying to spare your pain. And if you will trust him and follow him, he will resurrect you from the destruction that sin either could bring or has already brought. The other good news contained in John's story of the life of Jesus is all about being resurrected from our doubts. You know, I, I just know a lot of people who haven't quite figured out the Christian faith. I mean, the Bible is a big book. <laughs> there's a lot in it. And, you know, there's a few things there I don't understand. But guess what? There's a lot I do. <laughs> and I decided a long time ago, I'm going to go with what I do understand and trust God with what I don't understand. And he's going to help me to experience the resurrected life, real and better life. And so in John's gospel, the very next chapter, we were in chapter 10, then in chapter 11, we hear this fascinating story. I spoke about it a few weeks back, about when Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus called for Jesus. Actually, Lazarus was sick. Uh, they didn't know it, but he was about to die. And so they send word for Jesus to come. And remember, they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Not the one who loves you, the one you love. Sometimes our love for him isn't all we wish it could be. But they sent for Jesus because he loved Lazarus. And it's a fascinating account because Jesus didn't go right away. Uh, the Bible says when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. Well, it, it did, actually. What was Jesus thinking? No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. What, what was death for a time, Jesus knew could be changed in a moment by his touch and by his word. And that can still happen. So for whatever reason, uh, Jesus delayed going for a couple of days, the scripture says. And then it must have taken a couple of days for him to travel there. And when he arrived, well, he told, he told the disciples on the way, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I was glad I was not there. Do we have that scripture? Uh, well, I have it. <laughs> it's in the Bible. I was glad I was not there so that you may believe. So let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as uh, Didymus, there it is. We got that one. Everyone say Didymus. Didymus. You know what Didymus means? The twin, okay? So he was a twin. And what was Thomas's nickname? What do we call him? Doubting Thomas, right? He said to the rest of the disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. That is the weirdest thing I have ever... I'm like, what? Let us go that we may die with him. Jesus just said, Lazarus is dead. And that's Thomas's response. Now, I don't know exactly what he meant by that. Now, Bible scholars are sort of divided. They say maybe Thomas was having a moment of faith, you know. And he's saying, let's go and die with Jesus. Uh, I'm not really so sure because he really is doubting Thomas, right? Every other time we see him, he's questioning. And so I think Thomas was kind of saying, what's the point, right? Well, I mean, he's dead. He's already dead. We might as well go and die too. Who cares? He was a bit of a jerk, <laughs> right? I mean, and then after Jesus rises from the, 
from the grave and he's not there, right? And he appears to everybody else. And Thomas comes and he says, I don't believe it. I don't believe it until I touch him, until I really see him. I mean, that's Thomas. You know why I'm glad Thomas is in here? Because I'm a lot like Thomas. I can be a jerk too. Anybody else? Right? I, I was a kid in the back of the class with the smart one-liners and giving my Sunday school teacher fits, right? Because that's just kind of who I am. There's a lot of people like us. Guess what? Jesus loves you too. Jesus loves you too. There's room in the kingdom for you too. And so when you, when you have your doubts and your questions and you don't quite, you know, what's going on here, um, Jesus Christ is bigger than your doubts. Don't let your doubts hold you back. A lot of people, when it comes to the Easter story, have their doubts. There's a guy in the church I pastored in Saskatoon, Canada. His name was Chuck Armstrong. Chuck came to church on Easter as a skeptic, convinced that the truth about Jesus was not true. And he happened to be the, one of the physiotherapists for the Canadian Olympic team. He had a degree in physiotherapy. And I happened to say that day, you know, when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, some people doubt. In fact, there's this theory that's been sort of floated around that somehow Jesus fainted on the cross, passed out from the pain. Then they wrapped him up, put him in the tomb, and then in the cold, fresh air of the tomb, he woke up. I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know, medically, think about it. If you have a medical background... What happened to Jesus' body? He was beaten within an inch of his life by a Roman centurion. That could kill you by itself. He had a crown of thorns jammed on his head. Does anybody know how bad a head wound bleeds? And then he was nailed to the cross, hung there for three hours in the noonday sun. And when the soldiers, who knew what they were doing, they had done this before, they came to make sure that he was really going to die and they were going to break his legs. Because when you're on the cross, you die by not being able to breathe and push down and pull up on your hands to expand your chest. So if they broke his legs, he wouldn't be able to breathe anymore. And when they came to break his legs, they didn't do it because he was already dead. Then you take that dead body and you put it in a stone-cold tomb and you seal it with a Roman seal. You're going to wake up? Chuck said for days and days after that, I kept thinking about that. He said, I, I, as a medical person, I knew better. He said, I had, to, I had to believe, I came to faith that this was the real deal, that Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. God can deal with your doubts. He's not afraid of your questions. In fact, if you have doubts and questions, you're in the right place. I'm so glad you came. Keep coming. Let God keep speaking into your life. Very quickly, one or two more things. I want to talk briefly about the fact that Jesus can resurrect us from despair. You keep going through this story. When Jesus shows up at Mary and Martha's place and Lazarus is already dead, the Bible says this. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to Jesus, meet Jesus, but Mary stayed at home. What? Mary stayed at home. She didn't even bother to get up and go out. You know why? Her brother was dead. Like it had already happened. Her heart was broken. Life is hard. When you've lost somebody you love, when you've had a 
terminal diagnosis, when your marriage or your family is going in the tank, there's part inside you that dies. And the truth of it is, that can be happening and other people have no clue. When we show up here on Easter Sunday, we got up, we dressed up, we sucked it up, we showed up, but we might be torn up inside. And Jesus Christ is the one who comes anyway, right? Even if we don't get up, go to meet him and welcome him, he comes to us, just like he came for Mary. And then the last thing, he deals with our disappointment. He rec- rec- resurrects us from disappointment. I think everybody I know has had some kind of moment of disappointment with God. I mean, I don't know, you were praying about something and it didn't happen. Or it didn't happen soon enough. Or it didn't happen just the way you wanted. Uh, Maybe things are not turning around quickly at home or at work. Maybe you're your prayer for healing hasn't been answered yet. And in those moments when we're kind of disappointed, the worst thing we can do is settle in, settle down, and stay stuck there. Because God is still at work. I don't know if you know this, but God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. He is still at work. (laughs) The resurrected king can still resurrect you and I love what um, happens here in this interaction. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, "If you had been here, my brother would not have died." In other words, you're late. You're late, Jesus. But then she says something powerful. But I know that even now, would you say that with me? Even now, even now, say it again. Even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Some of you need an even now moment, right? Things are tough. They're not looking good. The answer hasn't happened yet. But even now, the resurrected king is here for you. Maybe you've done things, gone places, had stuff happen to you that you regret. Even now, Jesus Christ is here to give you life and life to the full. Maybe you've got your doubts or had some doubts and you're still struggling with doubts. Anybody here ever have doubts? Can I see your hand? Okay, now for every, all the rest of you, just polish your halo. I'll talk, to the, I'll talk to the real folks, okay? For the rest of us who've had our doubts, Jesus can handle them. He can handle them if you will bring them to him. And say, I need you, Jesus. Even now, even now, he is here for you. Maybe you feel some despair or maybe you've been disappointed. Why, on Good Friday, when Jesus died on the cross... He paid the penalty for the sins of the whole world. And three days later, on Easter morning, when he rose from the grave, he defeated the power of sin and death, and he is alive forevermore. And he is here for us right now. This could be our Easter moment. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. But my prayer is that you will pray with me. And some of you need to pray, God, forgive me resurrect me from from sin and death. Come in and live your life in me. You can pray that prayer and God will hear it and answer it. He is one prayer away. Some of you need to pray, Lord, I, I have had my doubts. Maybe I have some today, but I trust them 
to you. I believe, help my unbelief. Isn't that a great prayer? I believe, help my unbelief. I, I don't get it all, but I get enough. That can be your prayer today, even now. And so the worship team is going to come, and they're going to play in the background while we pray in just a moment. And then some of us just need to say, God, you know, I'm hurt, <laughs> I'm, I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, but Jesus, you are enough. When you died on the cross, you paid for it all. When you rose from the grave, you guaranteed new and better life than I have ever dreamed of. And he is here for you. So let's take a minute and let's do personal business with God. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that the risen Jesus Christ is here right now. And my prayer is that he is resurrecting us, resurrecting me. We listen, we lean in. We pray that you would do the work that only you can do. For those of us who need to pray a prayer of forgiveness, Lord Jesus, I need you. I've said and done things I know I shouldn't. And I pray right now that you will wipe the slate clean. Raise me to a new life. Lord Jesus, I've been struggling. I've been discouraged. There's stuff in my life that's been disappointing. Right now I get up and I bring it to you. Hear our prayers, Lord. Resurrect us. Change us. In your name we pray. Amen.